guys talked about after the uh, consent agenda was um, the uh, Southern Minnesota Initiative has applied for a grant from uh, the state of Minnesota for Main Street Revitalization, and uh, uh, they worked uh, Northfield into this. How, how does this all? Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, so we, uh, we became aware of a program through uh, the Department of Economic Development uh, through the state of Minnesota for this Main Street Revitalization cities weren't eligible applicants directly mm -hmm. so it literally had to come from like a regional entity or um, nonprofit which focused on economic development efforts and um, I won't get into the details but in this part of the state we don't have some of the kind of development groups that are typically maybe doing this kind of thing so we identified uh, Southern Minnesota Initiative Fund we reached out to them to find out if they were pursuing this and they said um, they're not soliciting anything, but that if there were communities looking at this, they were open, open to taking ideas for potential projects that they would basically take those ideas and potentially put in a, a grant application with oh, a grouping okay. of cities. Right. So they're looking at grants. Um, the state program does allow guaranteed loan programs, but uh, Southern Minnesota Initiative Fund said they're, they're not in a position to be able to host these uh, loan these loans so they were specifically taking grants so the state grant program offered grants um, individual grants up to seven hundred and fifty thousand per project okay as a maximum and they didn't have a, a limit I don't have at my fingertips what the total was statewide available um, but I want to say maybe somewhere in the 50 million range or something like that. Uh, don't quote me on that because it's probably off. <laughs> we <laughs> <But> just did. <laughs> I guess I quoted I'll, myself. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll do some research before I write about that. I so it's probably not exactly right. I can uh, pull it off uh, later for you and submit it if you want it. But the, uh, uh, but we, you know, with the some of the things that it's looking for are eligibility for re private redevelopment. So the dollars have to go into private projects um, kind of in downtown to grow, to help small businesses maybe impacted by COVID-19 um, during the time period um, that uh, arising since March 15th, 2020. It could also be from other things. So fires, natural disasters are also things that could be impacted, uh, which we've had a fire right next door to here, uh, the Archer House. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. and we, uh, <laughs> we certainly know that there's interest in revitalizing um, that area and coming up with uh, new development. And so we talked to the property owners. They were certainly interested. I think that helps the application for points mm -hmm. because a lot of times if people are familiar with grants, they have scoring systems to determine who maybe ranks higher on projects so we lost some business uh, with that we had some business relocations uh, we had job losses with that project and so uh, we're hoping to uh, bring all of those things back and see new growth coming from that um, we, we actually applied for a million dollars still it would be limited to 750,000 but it would also be eligible for other potential projects in our downtown area for redevelopment. So um, it keeps the door open that if we get funded, there could be other programs that we have to maybe achieve other city strategic priority goals that we cool. may have. Uh, interesting. Interesting. All right. Um, Southern Minnesota In Initiative Foundation, that is uh, the organization, that, that foundation was started by former Congressman Tim Penny. Is that yep. right? Yeah. He's been doing some good work since he uh, left Congress many, many years ago. Um we also talked about, uh, for, we're going to talk about this briefly because Councillor Susan Kazi is going to come on later to talk about this in a uh, much more in-depth uh, fashion. But uh, there was a resolution uh, for, of support for to use uh, state mm -hmm. general funds for a corridor study for regional passenger rail service, basically between mm -hmm. uh, uh, Albert Lee and the Twin Cities, including Northfield, Noatown, and, and, and Faribault, and then points mm -hmm. much further south as well. Yep. 
That's right. Okay. You got that. <laughs> right. In a short synopsis, that's what it was. Okay. <laughs> and uh, that, that, resolution, uh, that resolution passed. Yeah, it did. So this was really a reaffirmation of something that the city council has taken up previously. And it's still in process. Sometimes these, like, this is really big picture. Yeah. Uh, connecting Minnesota to all the way down to the southern border of the U.S. is that's a big picture, and it's not just unique to the city of Northfield, yeah. and um, all the way up through the Twin Cities area there. So, uh, regional passenger rail, as Susie mentioned last night, and I'm so glad that you're going to have her right. on here because yeah, this is an area that she is uh, just so passionate about and has been working on with other cities and nationally, within cities in Minnesota, but also nationally. So I'm just really grateful that you're going to give her that opportunity to talk about it. It's going to be a good conversation. Um, As she said last night, I mean, it's good for the economy. Moving people efficiently is good for the environment, depending on what source you're utilizing. But this really is on existing rail lines. So it's not new rail lines. Mm -hmm. It's existing ones and we're talking about uh, moving people amongst our region and we really don't have that in our little area here not as not to the extent that you could move people get people from job to job or from home to job or from one college campus to another i mean this just really opens up opportunities and so she's been uh, Councillor Nakazian has really been championing this and um, been doing a great job with and it. She, she's, she's got a lot to say about it, too. So yeah. we, uh, we're really looking forward to this conversation. So after that, we, uh, you, you folks adjourned the, uh, the city council meeting and then quickly rearranged the whole room and mm-hmm. came back and re-adjourned or re uh, re got re re what re reconcreated for a reconvened reconvened that's Come what I'm looking for I know. <laughs> my Saint Olaf education almost at work there <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, had a little work session which basically yeah. was one topic of conversation yeah. but a pretty fascinating topic of conversation um, there this is this is goes to the, uh, the the flood study there are actually two different sections of this flood study that have been happening mm-hmm. one dealing with the the river in downtown which I think you're going to talk about next week but this was uh residential uh, uh residential properties that are in danger of flooding due to uh climate change and whatever and uh some options for the city on how to deal mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. yeah so this is uh going back to um an update to the surface water model um in 2020 the city did an update to the 1995 surface water model to atlas 14 in Atlas 14, basically, they updated historical rain um, information right. uh, at the federal level. And so we implemented that, which um, is we collect water in our in our citywide comprehensive stormwater management plan. It might mean that some of our infrastructure, as a result of that study, might need updating. Sure. It might be ponds. It might be the size of our stormwater pipes. Um, it might be adding... A collection at areas where we didn't see flooding before um so this is a follow-up to that and uh it's probably also as we look at our f- uh, flooding hazard and climate resiliency goals uh, adopted in 2019 the other thing that we are also trying to think about is not only looking at recent historical data but also thinking about in the future we're not quite there yet as far as modeling goes um, but we're tracking um, how other communities are dealing with that so 
um, we, this is an update to a prior work, se work session that we held back in November. Right. Um, and really looked at some public improvements to our infrastructure system. And then in mm -hmm. cases where we weren't able to achieve, you know, some of the improvements to the collection system or drainage storage areas, um, we, we considered considerations related to individual private properties that may be impacted by stormwater onto their property um, to see if we could offer some or explore further private improvements to properties. It could include acquisitions uh, It could in, of the city uh, where maybe we'd clear this, the site. It could also be um, cases where we do modifications where like floodproofing of basements or potentially modifying where a basement maybe isn't as usable in some cases. Um, so we, we were looking at all those and pretty difficult conversations and tricky as it relates to how would you, how do you get in and deal with modifications of private homes with this? So tr a tricky topic. And that's why we moved to a work session table, right. you know, realizing that, okay, let's roll up our sleeves and have some conversations about this. And that was a pretty in-depth conversation too. Mm -hmm. There was a, uh, uh, there, there's there's concern from the mm -hmm. council about mm -hmm. the idea of going into somebody's home and, you know, fixing their basement, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there definitely is. So it, it was really helpful. And I think I, I mean, this is pretty consistent from the, the first time that this was presented to the council. We don't often talk about going on to private property and making an an adjustment to someone's home to be mm -hmm. able to handle stormwater. Right. And we're not talking about somebody's basement flooding because their sump pump didn't work. We're not talking about that. We're talking about stormwater runoff, which is traditionally handled by the city. That's not something that we ask individual property owners to really govern or take care of. The pipes and how the water flows over uh, the city within the city of Northfield, that is primarily handled by our city engineer department. And uh, this is the first time that I think the council has had to wrestle with pros and cons. Do you um, make adjustments or modifications or do an acquisition, which other cities have done, mm -hmm. to private homes or... Is it, do you want to stay away from that and allow property owners to just handle it? Uh, I think the council was just really asking, what are the parameters? What are the triggers to when the city of Northfield needs to step in and do something? And uh, the council was just asking for greater clarity on that and a greater policy or clearer policy statement on when the city of Northfield would take that approach. And yeah. I think... This is something that is new, and it might be something that is dealt with in the future. And so documenting it really clearly, I think, would be beneficial for all involved. Um, primarily, yeah, so clarity on policy direction and the parameters on when we would take this approach to modifying a home versus um, making adjustments to public infrastructure. Right. Right. You, you, do, do you anticipate actually putting a policy together uh, in, in this regard, or are we just going to uh, just, I, I, I would, uh, what's the question I'm asking? Both a couple of the counselors had, had asked about, uh, let's let's really sit down and define a, a, a policy for something like this. Is that mm -hmm. in the works? Do we, do we expect I think it's a that? Little, I think it's a little early good question. I mean, what we need to be able to do is to clearly understand and articulate what the where the differentiation is, because like the mayor was saying, a lot of people deal with on-site stormwater issues right. that they have and put in, you know, collect, you know, drains around your foundations and sump pumps. Those are really on-site issues. So if we're going to get into these, I, I think that 
there be we need to have some differentiation mm -hmm. that might be a policy that might just be right. documentation through the approval i think that's yet to be determined but i think that's pretty clear um, one thing that did change from november is is you know with the council um, asking about some of these options whether they could have more public improvements to them rather than private corrections there were some substantial modifications where we're reducing uh, the number of properties and uh, improvements from the november meeting um, till till last night and then increase some of the city cost on the public infrastructure improvements the cost is still just over three million dollars that they're looking at it but the uh, there was support by the council to move forward with our capital planning and the budget process for mm -hmm kind of the city drainage and infrastructure improvements of a little over 1.5 million and then to continue in the future that if there's some way to differentiate these private improvements i think that's when we'd come back and have some discussions about those but uh, there definitely was support on moving forward with those excellent well city administrator martig mayor Pownell, anything else you guys would like to uh, discuss before we uh turn you loose <clears throat> We have a number of uh, events coming up, uh, redistricting open house this evening that's at right. City Hall. Not a lot of changes, so we'll see how many people actually come, but <laughs> I think that's good news that we didn't have a lot of uh, disruption related to great news, yeah. where yeah. our ward boundaries are. One slight modification of where we're voting is um, we have some Highway 19 projects coming up that the public's available to go to uh, this evening online. So if you go to our website, you can find out about that to learn about Highway 19 resurfacing project that's a few years out. Um, and then uh, tomorrow we have a follow-up water system study, open house uh, and survey, March 3rd, uh, 5.30 at City Hall. So uh, tomorrow we have that. Uh, and then coming up, mark your calendars now for the, oh, I lost that slide, State of the City event, Mayor. Yes. Um, the date of that is... March 21st. <laughs> It's on my calendar. <laughs> All right, that's good. I'm glad it's on yours. I don't think it's on ours. I, I think we'll be, what did they say, MIA missing in action, maybe. <laughs> it's your state of the city, Mayor. You have to be there. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> All right. At the Crackham uh, White Center, uh, Crackham Performance Theater, we will have in-person details to come, but uh, great information. The mayor will deliver a speech on kind of what's happening with the city and we have awards and we have entertainment so yeah. um it'll be fun to have a celebration again with yeah. the community on that yeah. yeah and in person too in person which is going to be fun yes it be will great. be really good yeah all right mayor Pownell, city administrator ben martig thanks you guys we do appreciate you coming in thanks for yeah. all right uh, we are going to take a quick look at sports and some news from the minnesota news network and we'll be back with local headlines after that for MN Sports, I'm Kevin Falmus. The Lotto America jackpot Just is now estimated at $8.4 million. In St. Paul last night, the Wild Street.